And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning. It's, of course, the second best day of the week for The Real Investment Show. And uh, markets rallied again yesterday. And uh, despite a weak opening yesterday, markets rallied back. Again, just a consistent pattern as of late of markets opening weaker and then closing higher. And, and that's why we keep kind of getting these, these green candles in terms of a candlestick charting pattern. But don't worry about that. That's just some technical mumbo jumbo. But what it means is, is that there's buyers consistently moving into the market. So every time there's some weakness, buyers show up and they're buying stocks. And again, keeping the markets running right along this 20-day moving average, it's been just holding very, very good support. Another sign that we're in a bullish trend in the markets right now. And this is despite the fact that we've got, a, you know, kind of an early sell signal on the markets as well. Again, that's, as we discussed yesterday, that's not uncommon that you can have an early sell signal on the markets and markets continue to do okay for a bit. Um, and eventually if we go back and kind of look at previous periods like this, um, it takes a few days, but then eventually kind of the market uh, does eventually get some corrective action to it. Again, markets are just overbought, need to kind of work that off. And as, as, as is always the case, there's two ways for the markets to work through a correctional process, which is either just to trend sideways, really not go anywhere uh, for a period of time. And that allows some of that overbought condition to get worked off and allows moving averages and supports to, to catch up to the markets. And the other is, is you actually have a price decline. And you know, that's, what, that's the big question here. Are we in one of those periods where we just kind of consolidate sideways here a bit? And that's what's been happening here really over the last week or so. Markets have been back and forth, not really going much of anywhere. But again, the underlying action is still very bullish here. Uh, optimism is still very high. Markets are still kind of pushing along um, on this idea that the Fed is going to pivot and cut rates. You know, but the question now becomes really is, is talking about this idea of recession, right? If you take a look at the recent economic data, there's no sign of recession really kind of in the cards. Employment came in much stronger than expected. Retail sales yesterday much stronger than expected. National uh, Association of Home Builders, their optimism about new home sales increasing, uh, starting to see in, in other areas of the economy as well, manufacturing indexes, et cetera, all turning up here, uh, getting a little bit better than expectations. Uh, the Citigroup Economic Surprise Index, which is an index that measures the expectations of economists versus the actual report that comes out around the economic data has been improving. In other words, the, the, the economic data has been surprising economists on the upside. That index getting to fairly high levels, which suggests that now optimism is really kind of getting pulled into the market and these kind of better than expected numbers are likely going to weaken here uh, over the next uh, few weeks and uh, next month or so. But the really strong economic data since the beginning of this year has now pushed the Atlanta Fed GDP. Their estimates for GDP growth for quarter one have risen sharply here as well. So again, this whole idea of recession and, and, and a, a very sharp slowdown in the economy, at least at this point, of course, is not really being picked up by the economic data. Now, importantly, as is always the case with economic data, that's lagging data. So we're looking at stuff that's happened in the past. And we're going to now be paying attention to things that come into the future as things begin to develop. So this data 
can certainly weaken. But right now, and this is really kind of what markets are banking on, is that this whole idea of a you know, a, a recession has been kind of moved off the table. And, and as we've talked about before, from a contrarian standpoint, if you are expecting a bigger decline in the markets and the economy, from a contrarian standpoint, you want people to become a lot more optimistic about the markets. As we said last year, there were too many people that were bearish. Everybody was bearish. This was the most well-forecasted recession ever in history. Everybody was saying a recession was coming. Now we're starting to get more and more people moving to this camp of this idea of no recession or a very, very soft landing. And that's gonna, that opens up the possibility now as we get more people on that side of the camp that you can actually have a recession. So th this is, you know, this is going to be a challenge to kind of work through here over the course of the next few months. But again, as we can just to continue to kind of pay attention to what's happening with markets, you know, we do have this rising trend line again that the market has been in um, ever since the, the October lows. So despite the fact that we continue to have this rising kind of trend to the markets, at the same time, we know we have this kind of declining trend line as well that we're working with. So prices are becoming a little bit more compressed within the markets now. And that's going to lead to a breakout of this market either one way or the other. And of course, the question is, is you know, which way are you betting? Are you betting on a recession uh, and a bigger downturn or are you betting on a recovery in the market? Well, the market's going to give you that answer here when we kind of get the next move. But uh, at the moment, markets are, are pretty overbought, pretty extended here and, and need a bit of time to kind of work back through some type of corrective action. One of the other kind of, you know, kind of warning signs of all this as well is that technology stocks in particular. Now, there's a lot of stocks in the te technology index that are up 50, 100% this year uh, from their lows. And, you know, Roku uh, was up 12% yesterday, going to be up another 10, 11, 12% today as well based on their earnings. Earnings weren't that great, but the stock is so beaten down that, you know, you're now starting to see these stocks starting to recover. The technology index has a very high correlation, or I should say a very high non-correlation to two-year treasury yields. And the index has continued to run here despite the fact that two-year yields are rising. And that shouldn't be the case because what happens with interest rates is that's the discount rate applied to forward earnings for these technology companies. So the, the NASDAQ so far has been really outpacing the impact of rising yields at this point. Now, at some point, there's likely going to be a, be a catch up here. And again, this is why we're suggesting, hey, be a little bit cautious, uh, have a little bit of extra money kind of sitting on the sidelines, wait for a better opportunity to put money to work. We need to have a corrective process in this market a bit. Again, consolidation or a pullback, but that'll give you a better opportunity to increase exposure uh, to your portfolio accordingly. Um, to, you know, to, to whatever levels you want. But pay, pay attention to what's happening here just because there's a lot of things happening in the markets. There's a lot of speculation. Um, Michael Leibowitz will be joining me this morning, wrote an article about zero DTE. These are these options that expire in less than 24 hours. Been a huge surge in the use of those options here in recent months. And they now make up more, more than half of all the call option buying in the markets. And that is really just kind of distorting a lot of the activity as, as, as the um, major banks that have to produce these options are having to buy or sell securities accordingly. And a lot of these are call options. So they're having to buy a lot of stock to, under, to underwrite these options that have less than 24 hours to maturity. But again, that's leading to this kind of this lift in the markets, this kind of speculative nature. 
those things tend to work out poorly over time. And this is one of those things that if something goes wrong, this is one of those things that could lead to a very sharp drop in the markets very quickly, um, literally overnight. Um, if something reverses in the wrong direction, Mike had referred to this in an article he wrote on our website. So if you go to our website and just put zero DTE in the search bar, you'll come up with Michael's article, but talking about the similarities between that and 1987. So there is risk. I don't want you to think there's no risk to the markets. There's certainly things that are going on in the markets that have risk, but the underlying bullish trend right now is still positive. Be sure and just pay attention to what the markets are telling you at the moment. Again, nothing overly concerning about the technical structure of the markets for the moment. That can change and we'll have to change accordingly, but this market certainly got a bullish bias to it right now. Got to come back. We'll pick up with Michael Leibowitz. Lots of stuff to talk about this morning. Inflation, markets, and of course, uh, some of this economic data. What does it all mean? We'll get into that this morning with Michael Leibowitz. More on The Real Investment Show coming up right after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors, too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic, because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back this morning, of course. Uh, I'm your host, Lance Roberts, and it is The Real Investment Show. Michael Leibowitz joining me this morning as well to talk a little bit about the kind of everything that's going on with the markets. And, you know, it's, you know, all this comes down to, you know, the markets are rallying. The hopes are the Fed's going to be pivoting soon, and we're going to be getting, you know, uh, you know a, a, a more friendly Fed, I guess you, you, you could say. You know, but the, the interesting thing about it is, is that, you know, when you take a look at kind of what's happening with the markets, markets are going up, which increases consumer confidence. In fact, consumer confidence has improved markedly here over the last uh, couple of months, last couple of consumer confidence reports. So market improvement in consumer confidence, um, home buying attitudes have improved. People are starting to become much more optimistic about buying a home. Uh, the National Association of Home Builders, their index has improved sharply over the last month. Again, still at low levels, but improving off those lows, suggesting that uh, the economic environment is improving. And again, as we talked about with retail sales, we talked about with employment, all this lagging data, of course, we have to remember that. But it certainly doesn't suggest that the more dire predictions of an economic depression because of what's going on are, are going to be the case. And again, things can change. And again, if we take a look at retail sales yesterday, that was a very interesting kind of uh, of report because once you look at it, after, that's nominal retail sales. Once you look at real retail sales, they were up, but re real retail sales have not really done much. Uh, they've been basically right around zero 
over the last 10 months because of the cost of inflation. So investors or you know, individuals are spending more money. So on a nominal basis, retail sales are going up. They're just buying less stuff on an inflation-adjusted basis. So it's this real conundrum. It's this conundrum of economic data that suggests that you know, things are okay with the markets. Um, has investors pretty excited here, running up asset prices? Of course, we have a lot of speculation going on in the markets as well. But the question is ultimately going to be who's right. And that's, that's the big debate. And it's the, it's the big question. But, you know, the one thing I think we have to come back to is that if the Fed is continuing to hike rates, which they are certainly have indicated they're going to, um, the stronger economic data certainly isn't going to encourage them to stop hiking rates. You know, their big fear is a, a resurgence of inflation. Michael Leibowitz, welcome to the show this morning. So, I mean, this seems to be the Fed's kind of big conundrum here is that this economic data is improving, suggesting the economy is doing just fine. Markets are doing fine. So, as we know with, you know, Ben Bernanke back in 2010, we do QE. You know, we, were, we, we increased the balance sheet to put liquidity in the markets to improve asset prices, to boost consumer confidence, which helps support the economy. We're doing QT and, and the Fed's hiking interest rates doesn't seem to be any reason why they would come off of that stance anytime soon. Not only come off, but they're starting to talk like they're going to do more and the mar the bond markets are listening. <laughs> and I stress the bond markets because the stock markets are not listening. And that's a that's a big deal. Right now, the bond markets are now pricing in another hike, a third hike in June and then a potential for even one more. And they're also saying that the Fed is no longer going to pivot. We're seeing short-term yields up to 5% now, something we haven't seen since 2006-07. And uh, the stock market doesn't care. If you remember last year, the stock and bond market traded in line with each other. When the bond market got scared about inflation or the Fed, bond yields would rise and then stocks would quickly follow downward. And this year, it seems like they're very disconnected. And, you know, just as stocks have been disconnected from what the Fed's been telling us. So the, the million dollar question is who's right? Is the bond market and the Fed right? Or is the stock market going to be right? Or can they all kind of be right? Are they, is the stock market saying, we get it, the Fed has to raise rates, but they're really going to take out inflation by doing this. And the short term pain that it causes is fine because stock investors are always looking at long-term earnings. They never focus on the quarterly earnings, mm -hmm. um, say that jokingly. Um, so, so, so there's this big conundrum or divergence in the markets that has to resolve itself. And if we knew how it would resolve itself, we'd be pretty rich, but <laughs> we don't. So, so you have to try to, what's, what's vital is to understand both sides. Why are Fed funds bond market guys pricing in more Fed? Why does the Fed want to do more? And why are they becoming slightly more hawkish? And what do stock investors say? Because stock investors have a good track record of being early to uh, the positive end of an economic cycle. Uh, is it possible that we have this no landing? I, I guess anything's possible, <laughs> but every cycle has a landing. Right. I mean, that's, you know, any cycle and everything cycles. That's why they call them cycles. Um, so the no landing makes no sense to me, but there is credence to the soft landing type scenario that Powell and equity investors seem to be banking on.
the, the Lance, the thing that really concerns me is that our economy is now leveraged more than it ever has been mm-hmm. across all sectors. And the cost of debt is now the highest it's been in roughly 15 years. There's the amount of government debt on the books is more than twice what it was as a percentage of GDP than it was in 2006, seven. Right. And interest rates are now at the same or higher levels. So well, and that's why interest, concern- interest, you know, interest service on government debt has been surging dramatically and it's eating up a bigger right. and bigger piece of the federal budget just to service that debt. But it's the same way for households, too. Um, households are taking on you know record levels of credit card debt and their interest payments are going up because of the Fed's hiking interest rates, which affects the credit card rates. Right. So, yeah, Bar loans, mortgage it, loans. Yeah. So, so the question is, when does this burden? Like, if I were to tell you the government is going to raise taxes 10% for every single person and every corporation, you would be calling for a recession. But interest rate hikes are a tax. And the more leverage the economy, the more of it, the more that tax kind of prevails through the system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, I still think it's hard, especially with the Fed, maintaining this very hawkish view and now wanting to raise rates maybe three times or four times that we don't avoid some sort of trouble well you know look you brought up a you brought up an important point right so interest rates are going up which is a tax on businesses as consumers but don't forget that the biden administration just imposed a 15 percent minimum tax on corporations so not only right. do you have higher rates on corporations you now have a higher tax rate on corporations we'll see if corporations can figure out a way to avoid paying it but you know, you are increasing the cost on businesses, which are going to impact earnings and 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 growth ultimately uh, going forward. And 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 again, markets are overlooking those things right now. And again, I, you know, I want to be really clear: is that the markets are bullish. There's you know everything tells again, as I said, you know, at the open. Every single day this week, we've pretty much opened week, and then there's been buyers show up all day long, and we've had continual buying in stocks just on a very consistent basis even in mornings where things open open down there's buying by the end of the day so you know again from a bullish standpoint the markets are fine there's nothing there's nothing bearish going on with the markets in fact you know this is kind of one of those markets where you buy the dips because everything is fine for right now but the the conundrum is everything else is going on and and you're looking at this going this doesn't make sense because if you've got higher interest rates, as Mike said, that's a, a burden on businesses, uh, cons- you know, uh, on loans. It's a burden on consumers that are trying to make ends meet. And at some point, you almost have to expect that you're going to have a reversal in consumption, right? And, and that's, that's the big driver here. 70% of the GDP report is personal consumption expenditures. 40% of that is retail sales. Yes, retail sales were very strong in January. The question is, is, is can the consumer keep spending at that clip given what's going on in the economy? That's the, and, and again, that's the big risk with this economic data, which runs on a lag. Right. And that clip is being funded by credit card debt. We've seen month after month of very uh, large growth in credit card debt outstanding. Mm-hmm. So it's not organic. And when it's not organic, it has a limited shelf life. But the question is when. And, you know, the other thing, Lance, is how long, how how much of what's going on today is still a result of the pandemic, be it behavioral sentiment and even just savings and cash and, 
various things that we didn't buy that we now want to buy. Right. You know, there's a lot going on. And it's I think no one has been able to fully understand the whole pandemic, not the pandemic, but the response, both both the monetary fiscal response and the psychological response. And it's quite possible that that stuff is still coursing through the veins of the economy. At the same time, you have these other factors like debt, like interest rates, like a whole host of things that are trying to weigh it down. But it just can't because those other factors are still strong enough. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a fair fact. I mean, M2 money supply, which is kind of a measure of the supply of money in the economy, is still at a very high level relative to GDP, right? So if you take a look at M2 supply as a percentage of GDP, that has come off a little bit, but you know, not a lot. Now, the year-over-year change in the rate of money supply has fallen negative, right? So, you know, that you know, that change in the rate of people, you know, having a lot of excess capital to spend, that is definitely weakening. But there's still, to Mike's point, there's a tremendous amount of capital still sitting there in the markets or in the economy that is, you know, keeping things going for the time being. But, you know, again, Mike, to your point, with higher interest rates, with just kind of where we are in the cycle, and, and again, the Fed's continuing to hike rates here. They're continuing to reduce their liquidity in the markets through their balance sheet reductions. There's no new policy coming along to give you know people stimulus checks or to send more money to households. There's an eventual process here where we're just going to this excess capital that we flooded this five trillion dollars of liquidity in the markets. We're going to run through that eventually. It's just a question of is it next month or is it this time? next year and maybe that's the real story here is that everybody's looking for a recession in 2023 maybe the recession is not until 2024 that would certainly take a lot of markets by surprise we'll talk about that when we come back from the break don't go away investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com we teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too but raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you our next ria lunch and learn will dwell upon this topic because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So welcome back to the show this morning. So what if the real answer here isn't uh, a recession in 2023. What if it's delayed until 2024? Again, you take a look at some of the economic data that's going on right now, certainly suggests no recession in the markets, in the economy currently. <clears throat> of course, markets are rallying on anticipation of that. But again, because of you know all the stimulus that was put into the markets, because of all the quantitative easing, you know, all of the you know, the, the long period of zero interest rates, et cetera, 
you know, what if that the recession, again, we have plenty of indicators of recession, right? So we have inverted yield curves. We've got leading economic indicators that are negative. And, and these are things that have always historically 100% of the time predicted a recession. And again, we're, we're starting to get back into that moment where people are starting to say, ah, see, no recession, right? Soft landing, those type of things. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, as we said last year, everybody was in the recession camp. Everybody from the media to markets, et cetera, all saying absolutely a recession is going to be here. And we said last year in November that this was going to be one. If we have a recession, it's going to be the, the most well-forecasted recession ever, right? And recessions are a lot about psychology as well, right? And if everybody thinks you're going to have a recession, then everybody starts acting recessionary and you kind of get one. But the issue is, is now the markets are starting to put on this idea, as Mike said, of this no landing scenario. In other words, we just don't have a recession. We slow down a little bit, but everything's fine and we just then start to reaccelerate. And that's okay. But just what if that reality is that because of the lag effect, and Mike and I have talked about this before, about the lag effect of, of monetary policy, the Fed's hiking rates. So 475 basis points of rate hikes last year have not even shown up in the economy yet, and they're still hiking rates. So we're going to go to five, five and a quarter, maybe even five and a half percent on Fed funds. The Fed is reducing their balance sheet. They're extracting liquidity from the markets. There's now a big detachment, and, and there's a very high correlation historically between Fed liquidity in the markets, and that is now deviated, right? Markets are going up, liquidity is going down, and that doesn't really seem like that should be the case. And historically, it hasn't been. But because of this lag effect of data, which can take 9 to 12 months to play catch-up, so as interest rates are going up and those start to impact the economy this year, what if, right, what if we don't have a recession this year? It's just postponed until next year because it takes time for the data to catch up. Now, remember also, too, as a function of this, what is a recession? A recession is a period of negative growth in the economy. Well, because of $5 trillion worth of liquidity, we had, the, we had nominal GDP running at 6 7 8% growth in 2022, right? We had a very high level of annualized economic growth in the economy. Now, that is reversing. But it's still positive, and we still have about another 4% to go for that nominal GDP to get to zero. So like putting, you know, like a car that's rolling downhill, you got to put on the brakes, and it takes a while to slow the car down to, to stop it because of the effect of gravity, and you're on a downslope, and, and you're trying to stop momentum. And that's kind of what's going on in the economy is that it is slowing down, and the brakes are certainly being put on by the Fed. It just may take longer to get to a recession than what the markets are anticipating. And, that, and that's potentially one of the risks here that, that people aren't looking at entirely is they're saying no recession this year. But, Mike, what if it's just a recession that takes longer to get here than no recession? Uh, it certainly could be. Uh, you know, you gave that analogy of the brakes not really working. Well, when you go on the highways, you, and especially like in the mountains, you have those those uh, little roads that go off full of sand that the trucks can 
when a truck's brakes fail, they can trucks brakes fail. They can go onto those, and I guess the truck just instantly sinks into the sand and stops immediately. Right. So that's my concern is that that if you kind of think about all these pressures that are helping the economy, that they all just give out really quickly, whether that's July of this year or July of next year. We don't know because it's really hard to gauge how how much support the economy is still getting from things from a few years ago. But what if they just give out all at once? So that that's the other part of the problem is that th these these pressures and things that are helping the economy can last longer. And like you said, sentiment is really good. No one's losing their jobs. Very few people. They're, you know, it, it's pretty easy to get a job. All the all the the number of openings and those kind of Indeed and and Jolts and all those type of data really point to a robust jobs market. So people are spending money. There's still money coursing through the system from COVID. All the the relief packages. So the question is, when does it give out? And while that's helping, the Fed is just pouring on and the and the bond market is just pouring on the pressure on the other side. It's almost like a dam. And when's that dam going to break and will it just crumble all at once or will it just you know, provide us slow leaks? So the you know, as the economy slows down, it'll be slow and gentle, possibly a soft landing, possibly a gentle recession. Uh, or will the dam just crumble to the to the pressure of interest rates that, in reality, this economy should not be able to sustain for very long? Yeah, and again, kind of the you know the idea is that if you don't happen to have one of those soft landing areas, you kind of go over the cliff, um, <laughs> you know, for for these trucks. And again, that's that's that is the question, is you know, and, and again, you know, this is also the point the the big problem for the Fed, right? Because and, and really, I should say it's a problem for the Fed, but it's also a bigger problem for the markets. You know, the the you know what has happened historically is when the Fed's being very aggressive about hiking interest rates, markets are performing better, and you know it, it's that's not uncommon because now the markets are are beginning to expect an end to Fed rate hikes and those type of things. However, historically, the Fed's not going to start cutting rates unless there's a problem either economically or financially with the economy. And, and, and we've said this before, but just to reiterate the point, you know, just imagine that everything is, is fine, right? If, if, the, if employment is fine and the markets are doing fine and consumer confidence is improving, sure, the Fed could stop hiking rates and say, okay, we're going to stop here at five and a half or five and a quarter percent. We're going to see what, what happens from here with inflation. But there's no reason for them to start cutting rates. In fact, that's nirvana for the Fed, right? They've got high interest rates, which gives them, you know, that now they have a ton of room to cut rates for the next recession. I mean, they just, you know, you've got almost 5% right now to cut rates for the, to, to soften the next recession. So for the first time in, you know, 20 years, they've got a big cushion uh, to to cut interest rates, which is their best tool for offsetting recession. So so why why reduce that if you're not heading into a recession? And more importantly, this is nirvana for the Fed. They can keep reducing that balance sheet, get that balance sheet back down to some level where they've got that ammo available to add two or three billion or two or three trillion, sorry, of you know, of money back onto their balance sheet to offset a recession or a financial crisis at some point. So there's no reason for the Fed to cut rates if everything else is doing fine. And I think this is a big mistake the market's making. The markets are, are betting on this pivot where the Fed's going to start cutting rates and going back to QE. There's no reason for them to do that. 
And Lance, I'm I'm a little concerned that, you know, the Fed does realize that they can only raise rates so much. Mm-hmm. So bring it to five and a half, maybe six percent, but whatever. But I think that the odds of QT increasing are are on the rise. The, the Fed has got to be very frustrated. They have done an awful lot to try to slow down the economy and ultimately slow down inflation. And inflation is coming down. But as we saw with the CPI print, uh, what was that, Tuesday, it's not coming down, I think, as fast as they would like it to come down. Right. As they saw with retail sales on Wednesday, they were incredibly strong. Department sales stores were up 17%. Restaurants were up like 7 or 8%. That's on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. People are spending money. And the Fed knows that the more people spend money, the more inflationary pressures you're going to have. The Fed desperately is trying to get inflation back to 2%, and they've got to be frustrated at this point. Well, and, and, yeah, and, and again, just the, just so you know, everybody understands what you're talking about, is that you know, if there's demand in the economy, then, okay, so I'm a restaurant, and I'm selling a $17 hamburger, right? <laughs> and, that's a which, cheap hamburger. Yeah, these days. exactly. Depending on where you are, like, that's a cheap hamburger. Where are you, McDonald's? Um, but so I'm selling a $17 hamburger and if, and if demand is okay, right, I'm not going to cut my prices of my hamburger. In fact, if I've got plenty of demand, I might increase my hamburger to 1750 or $18, right? So this is the problem for the Fed. The Fed needs consumers to stop spending money. They need that contraction in demand in order to bring inflation down. And, you know, what wasn't talked about yesterday, if you look at CPI in terms of what's called sticky prices, that index has not come down at all. In fact, it rose yesterday. And, and, and if you take a look at eggs as a, as a situation, they're 486 a dozen on average, and that's actually up since last month. So, you know, things that consumers are buying on a regular basis are continuing to increase in price. Oil prices have been going up. Gas prices have been going back up. All that's feeding into inflation. So while headline inflation has been coming down, <clears throat> some of the internal components that homeowners deal with or individuals deal with, that's actually not come down at all. But again, what the, and, and to Mike's point, we'll wrap this conversation up on the other side. The problem for the Fed is, is they need they need a they, they need a recession, right? They need economic demand to slow to bring real inflation down across all levels to get that back to their kind of target rate that they want to get to. And the problem for the Fed is, is that the markets and the economy right now, they ain't paying attention. <laughs> Question is, how long can they do that? We'll come back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors, too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic, because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. 
Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Six forty-seven this morning. You know you're getting older, Brent. When people pass away, and you go, "Oh yeah, that was that was somebody important." Hmm. After four husbands, I don't think I'm a good candidate for wifedom. I like my independence too much. Raquel Welch. She passed away at 82. Of course, you know she. A lot of people, you know, a lot of the younger people, they was like Raquel who? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, for older people like me and Brent. You know, we remember a whole variety of movies that she was in. And she really never, she never really played. She was, you know, probably one of her leading roles that she did was the Kansas City Bomber, where she was uh, the roller girl. Yeah. Um, back then, she was trying to kind of, and, and that was where she was trying to shake off that sex symbol kind of that she'd been tagged with um, early in her career because of her role in 10,000 BC, which was a terrible movie. <laughs> But who cares? But who cares? She was wearing a doe skin bikini. That's all that mattered <laughs> at that time. Um, but, you know, uh, again, you know, she she looked great until she passed away. I mean, yeah. she had a couple of fitness books out and just she couldn't keep a marriage together. But, you know, other than that, she did well. She's yeah. got two two children that survive her. But anyway, just it's just uh, we're now getting to that age where people are dying off. And it was like, oh, yeah, I really am starting to get <laughs> <laughs> Remember the the scene in Seinfeld that she made? Yeah, the cat fight with Lorraine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's 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 too good. Um, yeah, you know that's the other problem with getting older. You know, when you're younger, all your big events in life are people getting married, mm-hmm. and then as you get older, it's you're going to everybody's funeral. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to as as you age. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, because when you get to that age, it's like I'm going to catch up with your brother. I'll, I'll be there soon. <laughs> A little mad you beat me to it, but <laughs> anyway. Um, so just got a, a couple of things I just want to wrap up with this morning. So first of all, just you know, back to Mike talking a little bit about this, you know, this issue with the Fed and the markets now, really just ignoring this reduction in liquidity in this QT as, as Mike was talking about. And and that's where I kind of want to bring this conversation back to the to the markets itself. And and this is, you know, this is the the issue that Mike and I deal with in terms of managing money. I'm writing an article about this called Conviction. I told you about the other day, which is, you know, the problem with being convicted to this idea of a recession. You know, last year, everybody was convinced there was going to be a recession. So my portfolio is short stocks, long, not not our portfolio, but this is the example. Um, You know, so I believe a recession is coming and the world's going to fall apart because of everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm long gold and I am, you know, have I'm short stocks and I've got a bunch of money and, you know, cash. OK, uh, that's OK. The problem with being convicted to that idea is that now markets are up 15 percent for the year and you're not. Right. And so there's these opportunities to make money with the markets that can override or you know, or become problematic for these conviction-type investments and or these conviction-type um, allocations. And this is why it's important to pay attention to what the market's doing because the market currently right now is not paying attention to what the Fed is doing. So, 
you know, while, while, or the economic data, right? So, so Mike and I can sit here and tell you all day long, the economic data looks terrible. The, the markets are, are eventually going to buckle under the weight of the Fed. And that's probably a true statement. But that can take a long time to get there. And again, what happens if, here's the big what happens if. What happens if you're convicted to this idea that a recession is about to occur and it doesn't occur until 2024 and the market's up 20, 25% this year? It's possible. Right. That's it's a I'm not saying it can happen. I'm not saying it will absolutely happen, but it's a possibility that we could have a fairly strong year this year and then not have a recession until next year. I know that seems improbable, but it's possible. And that's the challenge with managing your portfolio, managing money and separating out. And this is why we focus so much on technicals. Because the fundamentals are telling us one thing, the technicals are short term and they're telling us a different story. And, and Mike, this is the big challenge for investors to try to navigate between today and what's going to happen three months from now or 12 months from now. And Lance, I know a lot of people kind of scoff at technicals. Oh, you're just drawing lines on graphs. What does that mean? It's like astrology. Well, you don't even need technicals to see the strength in this market. On uh, Tuesday, we had a CPI number decently above expectations, followed on yesterday, Wednesday, by a retail sale that was well above expectations. And the market rallied both days. It, you know, if we would have had that same data four, five, six months ago, the market would have fallen apart. Yep. So the tone of the market is a lot better. And you, we just have to acknowledge that. And we have to, in periods like this, rely a lot more on our technicals than our fundamentals. It doesn't matter how daunting the fundamentals are. Right now, the technicals are in charge. Now, there will come a point, possibly, maybe not, but there, there may come a point where fundamentals matter more than technicals. We saw that a lot last year. And by the way, the technicals were pretty poor for most of last year as well. Yeah. So the technicals come around to the same same line of thinking. But right now technicals are in charge so and sentiment uh, sentiment is massively bullish crypto was up 10 percent yesterday mm -hmm. you know we're seeing that the junkiest companies the ones that were most beaten up last year leading the charge you know we can debate all day whether that's a good thing or a bad thing it doesn't matter there is a fomo yolo uh <laughs> risk on appetite yeah and that that's what's going on. You know, we have these zero one day options that are driving markets higher and another form of just huge speculation. Again, it's not for us to say that it's wrong or right. It's what's happening. And our portfolio has to reflect that. We have to acknowledge that's going on. The market may rise. The market, if I told you the market's going to fall 30% next year, you'd be scared. You know, you'd say, OK, I'm going to get out now because it's going to fall 30 percent next year. Well, it may go up 40 percent this year before you get to the down 30 percent. And you were better off even if you just held on next year, slightly better off. Yeah. So, you know, this is again, you know, all year, I think this year we're going to we're going to have to live with this divergence of or periods of divergences of technicals and fundamentals that it's going to be very uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of zero DTE, I just want to shift shift topics here real quick because you wrote a really good article about zero DTE. And, and today um, there's actually a, another article out. I put it I posted on if you follow me on Twitter at Lance Roberts, I actually posted a, a link to the article on our Twitter account this morning. 
But, you know, the, this issue with these, that's, uh, what zero DTE is, it's, it's zero days to expiration. And these are options that expire in less than 24 hours. So there's, you know, in the options market, there's a lot of options that have 24 hours left to maturity. And investors, mostly speculators and retail investors, are now piling into these. And, in fact, they make up more than half of the option volume in the markets. Now, the problem with this is, is that the volatility index, you know, everybody watches the VIX as a fear gauge. And it says, okay, so if the volatility index is spiking higher, that you're in a down, downward trending market. If it's falling lower, the markets are going up. Well, the problem is all these zero DT options are not part of that volatility index calculation. So you've got half of the options market that's not even being picked up by the volatility index, which is, you know, essentially kind of negating the signals that the volatility index was giving you. And, and, and the risk here, and again, there's a good article on Zero Hedge this morning that goes into a lot more detail um, from Mark Kalanovic talking about, you know, this and, and Mark Kalanovic is one of the traders for J.P. Morgan. And, you know, he's talking about the risk of the zero days to expiration option. And this was the point of Michael's article relating it back to the crash of 87, is that the, if something breaks, right, you've got so many of these zero, zero DT options in the markets, half of the option volume, it's huge. If something breaks, if something goes wrong, you could have a 30% down. This is Mark's view, not mine, but this is Mark's view, and I'm not and I'm not disagreeing with Mark. But you know, he's saying that you could have a 30% downdraft in the market. That'd be equivalent to 1987, by the way. Um, literally almost overnight. The question is, is what breaks those zero DT options, right, Mike? And that's that's the one thing we don't know. What what comes along that causes all that to reverse in a very untimely manner? Just a surprising market event. At the same time, there are a bunch of these options on. You know, the bottom line is what they do is they have fuel to the fire. It's not that they are going to be the sole cause of a market crash, but if the and, and a market surge, if the market is going heavily in one direction or another, and that's in the same direction as those puts or calls are are stacked up for that day or that two day period. As we said, the dealers have to protect themselves and they will just push the market in that same direction even further which then has the ability to panic other parts of the market, parts that have nothing to, parts that don't play with options, just regular investors, institutional and retail. So it, it, the way I think of them is fuel for a fire, but you need the fire first and then right. the fuel could be pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's like margin debt and it's it's a variety of the other things that are going on in the market. There's, there's a lot of potential, you know, fuel out there for a big correction again, but you need some event and again, where does that event come from? Well, historically, going back throughout history, those type of events have always come during a phase of time where the Federal Reserve is aggressively hiking interest rates and tightening monetary policy. And then that causes something to break within the financial market somewhere. There's some event that occurs, credit event, whatever it is, that leads to these very sharp unwindings. Not saying that's going to happen, but I think that you know, the zero DT option, DTE options, something that at least worth having on your radar to watch because there is that fuel that is sitting out there that could cause a problem. Not saying it will, but could cause a problem 
and it's something that we need to be aware of when managing the risk in our portfolios. Okay, wrapping up the show for the day. Mike, thanks so much. Get by our website. Make sure you subscribe to our new YouTube channel. It's our call Before the Bell. Just click the little bell icon, subscribe there, and we'll notify you of our three minutes of markets and money every morning when we put that out. Also, subscribe to this channel. We always appreciate you watching. We need more help. So refer it to your friends. Get more people over here to join us to watch the morning show every single day. Also, at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, newsletter, daily market commentary. Keep you updated on the markets. We publish that every morning by 730 quick market trading update, quick three-minute read about markets, money, what things are going on. It's what you need to know. Realinvestmentadvice.com.